Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast. I'm senior tech reporter for the drum, Chris Sutcliffe, and this time we're going to be taking a step back and doing a look at MarTech 101. So this is another in our semi-regular 101 series where we want to bring together experts in MarTech to survey what's happening in this corner of the industry and how the uninitiated can enter the space without being daunted by the sheer size of the MarTech stacks. And so I would love to ask my guests to introduce themselves. Guy, could you tell us who you are and where you're from, please? Sure. Thank you, Chris. Lovely to uh, catch up with you. My name's Guy, Guy Vienk. I'm from Analog Folk Group. Fantastic. And Laurie? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm Laurie Miller here from the Austin office of PMG, a digital media and technology company. Very nice. And Lee? Hey, great to be here. Uh, Lee Allen. Uh, I'm from Indicia Worldwide, a uh, marketing agency focusing on data analytics and technology. Fantastic. And finally, Danny. Hey, I'm Danny Robin from Favoured, a uh, London-based performance marketing agency. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for taking the time to come on and have this chat. I know that the listeners will appreciate this as much as I do. We like to do these 101 sessions because it really helps us to take a step back. It helps us to appreciate the entire big picture of what it means to be working in marketing. And so to begin with, I'd like to ask uh, you guys to begin with, when we're talking about MarTech now, what are some of the priorities that we should be um, considering? Is it that audiences want personalization at scale? Is it the fact that we need to be talking across various channels at once? What are some of those biggest priorities? Sure. Yeah, it's a big old It's a topic. huge question. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, I was writing some notes. It was like 10 pages long. <laughs> so, you know, I think at a very simplistic level for me, it's about I break it into three broad components. Yeah. Better ideas and experiences. So, you know, I'm always going to look at it from a creative point of view. So what what insights can you have to effectively give better solutions to your customers, um, better production performance to enable better creativity and uh, better media performance? And so I basically look at those three categories and then I kind of plot my MarTech stack against it or I leverage a client's MarTech stack to uh, fulfill various roles within it. Um Gosh, and then it's a case of which one do we want to start with, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a look at that performance side of it then. What would you say okay. are some of the kind of the biggest priorities there? Well, for me, I think the biggest priority there is, look, increasingly customers want more personalized content. Mm. Yeah. And, for, you know, that has a knock-on problem. Yeah. The knock-on problem is that means more production, more costs, more variance, more management, more scale, more complications. So for me, I think where I'm really focused um, is, and in fact, we've done some investments in this area ourselves. is how do we effectively use automation to enable creativity. So what I don't want to do is use automation to make creativity redundant because a lot of these tools are very reductive. I want to use it to enable creativity. And that's you know why we've invested in some tools and there are plenty of tools out there. Fantastic. And Laurie, I could see that you were nodding along there, particularly when Guy was talking about creativity. Is that something that is you know fundamental to when we're talking about MarTech? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And I, without, you know, using the cookie list buzzword already, although maybe I just did, um, <laughs> I think it, we would be remiss without talking about creative as an important lever in a future-proof MarTech stack, because it is that lever that we can always control. And so I, I do think creative and finding ways to infuse better data signals, um, to your point, personalization guy into creative is going to be one of the best future-proofing strategies. 
That's fantastic. Uh, Lee, when we're talking about personalization in particular, we've we've heard that so often and almost every uh, contributed article that we get on the drum refers to that in some way. To what extent can you, I suppose, marry that that creativity and personalization without having a, you know, a huge tech stack and uh, kind of overhauling everything that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, as I've heard um, uh, from from both uh, both Guy uh, and and Laurie there, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of in agreement. My my background is more in the uh, has been more in the data space, but mm. I think where where um, we've struggled to catch up generally, I think as a as an industry is that is that creative doesn't really keep up. I think with the, with a level of data, so you'll have data scientists, analysts, et cetera, creating micro, micro audiences, but ultimately they kind of get served the same level of creative. So certainly uh, scaling scaling the content. Uh, so, so where the focus for us certainly is around, um, I don't know, Guy, you said you don't really want to automate the content, and I get that, but certainly, firstly, uh, technologies and platforms that democratize that, that sort of creative production element. So providing template from which you can work with and start to automate uh, your creative as much as, as as much as you possibly can and and just tying into something Laurie said earlier I think you mentioned cookie lists I think we are going to go down that route today but I think with with you know with this sort of future of of, of sort of no cookies and yes there are alternative tracking methodologies um, I think creative has to work hard and I think it will ultimately have to work harder, have to perform potentially even in the face of some spend moving away from, from paid media, possibly back into more traditional CRM channels where we know creative has to work harder and be more personalized at scale. Nice. And for, for the listeners who won't get the benefit of this, Lee has one of the best beards I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, we'll maybe put a picture up along with the podcast. I don't know, but go <laughs> I would add, Chris. Actually, um, I wasn't sure if this was going to be filmed or not, so I did actually have a haircut and beard trim <laughs> um, after my porridge. I'm so sorry. One day, one day, we'll finally be able to to take advantage of a uh, video podcasting, but it's not quite yet. And Danny, then, based on what we've heard the other the other panelists say so far, what would you say are some of those priorities that marketers are thinking about when it comes to Martech and building out tech stacks? Yeah, good question. Um, so I think one thing that really uh, we should all remember is just going back to those basics on the fact that it is about the customer's journey. Um, so, you know, we, we've all kind of probably worked in market agencies ourselves or in companies in-house where we've looked at things like personas and, and how people move through a funnel. And there's that expected way that someone might move through. And then there's the way that they might move through based on how you know the, the world's advancing and the different ways that they have accessibility to a brand um, or to, a, to an app or a bit of software, whatever it is that we're marketing um so i think you know looking at performance-led tech and performance-led integrations is really really important um, we find with marketing uh, that people tend to sit on this bell curve. Um, so kind of throwing a little bit of psychology there, we've got uh, one end of the scale people that are uh, kind of brand new to the brand. On the other end of the scale, we've got people that are highly engaged. And those are the ones that are um, more likely to be kind of opening comms, responding to messaging, uh, kind of checking out social. They're either at the start and they're in that honeymoon phase, or they've got to the point where they're a loyal brand advocate. And then we've got this chunk of people in the middle of the curve. And I'm aware that the listeners can't see my hand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> we have got these people in the middle who it's a little bit tougher to get through to because they are within that kind of brand space, but they're neither kind of new and excited, nor are they uh, kind of engaged and loyal. Um, so making sure that we're making uh, kind of data-based decisions, I think kind of 
basing this off of what everyone has said so far, and I don't want to reinvent the wheel here, but looking at what we can harness in terms of the data and how that can influence um, our understanding of what someone needs at that point in their customer journey is really important. So say, for example, that we had an attribution tool and that tool told us that people that came in through a Google ad are much more likely to open emails than someone who's come in through a uh, Instagram ad who's actually more likely to respond to a push or an SMS. We want to be harnessing that and we want to be uh, using that to, to kind of um, base our creative direction uh, and understanding of who the audience is, where they've come from and where they're going, um, which is the bit that people often forget. You know, we, we understand who they are. We kind of understand uh, where they've come from. But let's look at not just what action we want them to take today, but what actions we want them to take over the next couple of months. Important point that Danny raised there as well is just around attribution. And we, and we might get onto that sort of later on as we go through this, but but increasingly as we talk about the expansion of, of channels, um, just the ability and the technology to help, you know, best attribute uh, towards the channels is is, is very helpful. I'm, I'm not sure who's there yet, but it's certainly going to be an important focus over, over the coming years. Well, not to taunt the listener at this point, but there was a lot of nodding going on there. That's the last time I'll refer to anything that's happening visually in this. But we've also danced around this to some extent. And Laurie, you brought it up first, so we'll, we'll come to you for this. When we are talking about the quickest future, what impact is that having on how we're thinking about MarTech, just in general, and not just in terms of you know how individual agencies are building out their capabilities? Yeah, I mean, I do think it influences everything. It influences, Danny was just speaking about the customer journey. I think it influences how we track that, how we can connect that customer journey. Um, Lee mentioned attribution, how we give credit back. I think one of the really interesting things we've seen this year, and I expect to to continue to accelerate, is you know kind of a return to uh, aggregated modeling, a return to testing and experimentation as the tools, as the models to help us uh, give credit to where marketing and media are driving outcomes for businesses. I think um, seen a lot of advances in media mix modeling and ex- experimentation to really do that. Um, I think much closer to the point of decision making. One of the challenges with MMM is, you know, the the lag, the the speed to insight just isn't always there. And I think what we've seen is clients bringing their MMMs closer to uh, platforms. Um, you know, working with experimentation to help augment that so that it can be more real time and using things like proxies or scalers to help, um, you know, sort of uh, adjust the last click results that they're seeing so that they are actually bidding and making decisions uh, much closer to real time. But uh, that speak to true business outcomes. Nice. Fantastic. Guy, you obviously have 10 pages of notes here. I'm sure that somewhere within there, we've got, uh, you've got a mention of sort of how that transition is affecting, you know, how we think about performance and actually to some of Laurie's points, how we think about where we sort of engage those consumers. Ooh, yeah. Again, uh, a very broad question. Um, uh, I think I'm second this time rather than first. So, um, Again, I think as I approach it in a in a slightly, I, I'm just focused on the creative side of it. I, I'm kind for me, it's more around um how how I can um yeah, how I can effectively create uh hyper-personalized communication in the most efficient way possible. And then I work with, you know, normally the tech stack and um Lee may disagree here, but I often find normally the tech stack is defined by the client to a large extent. So I just use my tech stack to ensure that I'm just I'm getting the right creative message to the right person at the right time. And I work with the client tool. So I don't really know how to answer that question more directly. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's totally fair. Like you said, this is one of those things where we're talking about the the entire industry holistically, and it's you know like Dirk Gently almost impossible to to solve yeah. without looking at it overall. Yeah. One of the things that I think all you've touched upon to this point is it's all obviously predicated on consumer behaviors. And so one of the things that I do want to ask now is when we're talking about uh, reaching consumers exactly where, you know, we need to, and that's, you know, along the customer journey and even engaging them right from the start, to what extent is that even possible now for, I suppose, agencies who don't necessarily have a huge tech stack to even identify them? I don't know who wants to take that, you know, are we going back to marketing fundamentals or are there some smaller tech stack or even smaller individual pieces of tech that we can use to engage them? Danny? Yeah, I can uh, I can weigh in on that. Um, so I think one thing that it always comes back to for us, and, and as a performance marketing agency, we sit um, not just on the creative side, but on the on the tech side as well, on the data side. Um, something that I'm a really big fan of is is using a CDP. I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to name drop specific brand names here, um, but using uh, some sort of tool to to get data consistency is really really important for us. So um, if you say, for example, are an app brand uh, and you have an app and it feeds data into one place and that one place then speaks to all the other tools you're using. You know that the uh, kind of naming conventions match across the board. You know that once something's come in, all the platforms are picking up on it. It really helps us to kind of get that data consistency no matter how many tools we're plugging in if we're feeding it through uh, kind of one place. Um, and on the on the same side, on the e-com side, if it's not like an app or a tech client, um, you know, having that fed through uh, one selling platform, for example, again, might not need to name the names for you guys to, to kind of clock on, but having uh, kind of the tools that work well together, those kind of performance-led integrations are really, really important to us. And that means we also have the kind of longevity of it as well, because if something is updated, we're updating it in one place and it's pushing it out to multiple partner tools. Um, so I think that's really, really important for us for, for understanding the customer journey is uh, no matter how big or small your tech stack is, ensuring you're using platforms that confidently talk to each other. And there are platforms out there that will list their integration partners. And there are other platforms that perhaps try and do everything themselves, or they kind of have blocked off that integration. Integration um, for one reason or another, and you have to get quite techie with APIs to be able to uh, allow those platforms to speak to each other. Um, we would always say try and go for uh, tools that are confident in their integration abilities and have case studies to prove that. Mm. Um, because if your tools are talking to each other in the right way, you're going to find it a lot easier to go through uh, that customer journey and actually watch them move um, from an email, from a push, from a, a social click, for example, all the way through that funnel. Yeah, absolutely. You can kind of think about that visual metaphor of just trying to connect, you know, an old type monitor to a new laptop where it's just like mm, endless yeah. adapters running into one another just to make it work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think I think in terms of 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 maybe having a smaller stack or or maybe even sort of smaller or, or boutique agencies, I think there's actually great opportunity out there. And I think uh, certainly um, Danny alluded to it then. I, I'd maybe controversial, but I think maybe you could argue that the landscapes changed sort of five years ago. It was very much sort of dominated or was starting to be dominated by the big sort of marketing clouds. Uh, again, not not naming names. And whilst they're uh, still a factor, uh, I think if you look at something like the data side and two years ago, we spoke about um, the democratization of data. Now increasing you hear things like, you know, data mesh. I think equally it applies to technology and we're starting to see very sort of decentralized models uh where these kind of different um uh, very niche technologies fit in and play a part in the overall uh, overall landscape uh, danny mentioned cdps uh, a really good example uh customer engagement platforms something similar so we're starting to see roles played for really niche technologies which probably 
wasn't quite the case um, sort of five years ago. So I find it really exciting. It's almost like the agency landscape, isn't it? You kind of swing between, you know, the big, you know, networks and then the specialist agencies. And, and I agree. I think whenever I'm looking at technology, you know, and our tech stack to empower our companies, I'm, I try and keep it very focused on a specific task because otherwise things get really messy around the edges because everyone says it does everything. And then you don't really get anything that does anything well. And then you're in a real mess. So for me, it's about focus on fixing a certain problem. And Laurie, I know that, well, from PMG's point of view, you've got obviously got a, uh, particularly from the kind of the, the analytics and data science point of view, a lot of that must ring very true in terms of actually making sure that everything lines up and is accessible and actually works for the company. So to what extent then are you sort of experiencing a bit of a shift in how we think about, you know, using a tech stack to really prioritize user data and use it effectively? Yeah, that's right. And I think Danny spoke really well to needing that connective tissue and needing different MarTech platforms to speak to each other. I think that's a challenge that we see brands facing as their MarTech stacks have grown, as their media landscape has, um, you know, really expanded. I think a lot of those platforms aren't necessarily speaking to each other or data is not flowing freely. And so that's a, that's a role actually, I think that agencies can play really Hmm. effectively to help Customers really connect those platforms, things like, you know, building out conversions, APIs, um, you know, which weren't on the priority list maybe a year or two ago, but now are increasingly important. And so that's one of the things we really focus on at PMG. We call it building gap technology. We're trying to help fill those gaps. And how do you describe that as, as sort of uh, an advocate for that or sort of in an educational point of view? How do you sort of describe your role there? Yeah, in some cases, we are acting as advisors, you know, helping clients to facilitate and make the best choices for their MarTech stack. But we actually invest really heavily in engineering and data science. And so at PMG, we're actually we're hands on building in many cases. Um, So we have a a proprietary tech platform on our side called Ali, uh, but we also are helping clients build within their stack. Okay, that makes total sense. And yeah, I think that speaks to the uh, kind of the... I suppose the breadth and variety of roles that um, that marketing companies are taking now when it comes to actually making sure that people are doing things very effectively. I know that one of the things that my editorial team wanted to ask specifically, actually following on from that, is whose role it is within a company now to keep a to keep abreast of everything that's going on in terms of making sure that everything's connected, making sure that people are doing, you know, using, making the most of tech stacks. Is it kind of the CTO, which is the kind of the traditional role? Is it beholden to kind of the individual people who are working with tech stacks? You know, who do you think now is responsible internally for keeping abreast of all the developments that happen every single day and every single minute within MarTech? I wouldn't say uh, as a CTO, I wouldn't necessarily say um, just certainly not, just the CTO on, on the client side, it's a really interesting one because you kind of uh, I've I've worked uh, within other organisations where um, you kind of have this these two ends. One would be very much IT uh, and the other side marketing, and 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 it's very important to try and sit in the middle of those those two areas to ensure that a uh, marketing teams aren't necessarily just responding to the to the next sort of shiny thing uh, that's largely unproven, but equally the IT and technology teams aren't purchasing, uh, you know, making huge procurements or building things that aren't really, really necessary. So I think it's really important to strike that balance between those two areas of technology and marketing uh, and make sure that each are sort of fulfilling each other's needs, but also that, that both were informing each other. So, so, so it's a bit of a, uh, a, a fence-sitting answer, but, but pretty much <laughs> those, uh, those, those two paradigms. But the problem is it's really fun 
to go after the ch- the shiny new thing. That's you know that's always the most fun part of it all. Yeah, no, I I guess you know the way I, again it kind of goes back to the first question. The way I look at it is you know break it into buckets. Yeah, what's going to enable better ideas? What's going to enable better production? You know, better efficiency, uh, but and then what's going to enable better performance from a customer point of view? And oddly enough, around, you know, we have a relatively small board, you know, we're a relatively small company with 30 odd million pound company. But um, any of the, you know, preferred vendors or partners or, you know, the acquisitions we want to make, all of it gets discussed around those three buckets at a board level. So, Danny, when we're talking there about, uh, in fact, following on from from what both Guy and Lee have just said, when we're talking there about making sure that we're making the right decision, we're making in the way that actually delivers value back to the company. Where does that kind of where does the book stop ultimately when it comes to choosing the right tools? Is it upon the people who have to look at where the connectivity is happening? Is it the kind of the you know the decision makers, the financial officers who go actually we we need to build this out now? Where does that responsibility sit? So I think uh, it's an interesting one for us because uh, we sit in um, quite a niche part of the market where we're working with mostly either startups or scale-ups, um, companies that have just had sort of big investments coming in, um, looking to really kickstart marketing or, or reinvent it if uh, they kind of had an initial launch that maybe didn't go the way they wanted it to. So um, it's an interesting position uh, for me specifically because um, I work with a lot of uh, kind of 24-7 working company founders, um, who uh, some of which like to keep complete control control of everything they do and some of which like to appoint people uh, sort of responsible for these. Um, whenever I have discussions around marketing technology, um, around kind of the tech stack or you know the performance-led integrations we want to set up, um, generally I find the more the more is the better. So the more people that have listened into that conversation, the more questions we have and the more questions that are asked, the more likely we are to make sure that they understand fully what we're doing. Um, so I like to kind of take this working without silos approach when it comes to MarTech. Um, sometimes we have core where we will just get the whole company on board and we'll say, just listen in and let's listen to what we're doing and how this can benefit each different department. Because even though we're setting up a, a kind of tech stack that is relevant to the marketing and driving that kind of performance forwards, a lot of these tools have crossovers. So, you know, a tool that tells us about attribution, yes, that's relevant to the media buying landscape, and it's also relevant to the cons landscape, but that might also be relevant to other campaigns or product development side of things. You know, what uh, what imagery are we getting more clicks through from? What uh, kind of campaigns are, are being responded to in emails? And um, that can then also influence the product. Okay, well, interestingly enough, people really liked it when we did this. And that actually means that they really like that feature of the product. So um, I would say probably the opposite of uh, what people are thinking. It, it's not one person's job. Everyone should have some some ears on that conversation so that they understand how MarTech can support them uh, across mm-hmm. the business in their role uh, to make efficient decisions in, in their kind of team. So um, yeah, I always like to try and get all the team leaders on a call. Well, that's fantastic. You've all actually given some very, very practical advice there about how you're all using kind of tech and data and making sure that everybody's taking responsibility for it there. But one of the things that I do want to ask now is almost the, the thing I'm most excited about, and I know that the rest of the, the team internally at the drum is most excited about, is asking you all for your predictions for what we're going to see in terms of MarTech over the next couple of years. Sorry to throw another huge question <laughs> at you all, but that seems to be kind of the, the, the premise of this podcast. So when we're talking about MarTech, in 2023 and beyond, what predictions do we have in terms of, you know, who's going to be using what most effectively, which new sort of avenues of tech we should be exploring? Uh, I don't know who wants to go first for that one. Yeah, I can start there, Chris. Um, you know, I think one of the the things that 
may be obvious given the the cookie-less um, you know, moment that hangs over all of MarTech right now. Um, I think 2023 may be the tipping point for kind of that first party data collection, audience modeling. Um, you know, we've all talked about first party data as as gold. And I think um, this may be the year that the, you know, the brands that have really invested in that MarTech stack um, to, to leverage their first party data, they really are going to be able to accelerate. And I think one interesting um, piece of tech, one sector that I think is going to really uh, blow up next year um, are retail media networks. We've mm. seen a number of retailers um, invest heavily in their sort of publisher side, um, their owned platforms for leveraging their first party data. And I think many consumer companies, CPGs, tech brands are going to be leaning into that as a really rich environment for using their own data and really accessing retailer data in a new way. That's that's so interesting. That chimes so much with what we've been hearing at the drum. Uh, you know, we we like to you know almost take a bellwether by the number of pitches we get around something, and we've seen so much exactly around that. So it's going to be fascinating to see if that plays out. Uh, Guy, what would you say then are some of your own predictions in terms of where Martech is going over the next couple of years? Sure, uh, data for insight into doing the right creative at the right time, I think is, and first party data, absolutely um, gonna be imperative. I think um, MarTech in terms of production, lowering the cost of production, because everyone now has to do, a, I'm sure at PNG you have it the whole and you know the whole time you have to do eighty thousand variants of one message, you know, because you've got to embrace different you know uh, models, casts, you've got a different copy, you know, trying to get global consistency because I don't know what ninety percent of um, brands don't actually know what's operating in the lower funnel. I'm sure PNG isn't one of them, so it's kind of just getting your head around all of that. I think that's a big area. And then performance, you know, going back to um, Danny's point, you know, getting the tools to measure performance to then feed back into insight. So, again, as as you know, I'm very kind of formulaic with these things. I always break things into buckets. So I'll repeat my three buckets. (laughs) I thought that was great. But what what would you say some of the tools around the kind of creativity, making sure that everyone's aligned that we've seen? We've, you know, we've seen some of those really big examples like Unreal Engine 5 keeps coming, keeps being brought up to me as a creative tool that is really streamlining the process across a bunch of different teams. Where else should you be saying we're looking for that kind of creativity in MarTech? Um, I would, you know, there's some, again, you know, I'm a little bit biased and, you know, because obviously I've, I've invested in a company uh, called Otomo that we, we personally use, but there's StoryTech, there's, uh, again, I can name drop all, all we like, uh, there's Seltra, Seltra is a little bit more um, close to media. But so I think those are the kind of tools that you need to roll in into the, you know, to into the production process. Again, for me, it's about keeping the technology very specific um, because otherwise it all gets a bit loosey-goosey and everything does a bit of everything. So uh, and again, because I own a platform and I um I, I'm very specific about what it does and doesn't do. In fact, I must probably spend more time telling people what it what it doesn't, doesn't do. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, th- those are the three areas. Those are the kind of tools. I'm, and, I, and again, we, we've spoken very, you know, there are other tools out there, you know, there are other tools tackling way broader issues, you know, like um, diversity behind the camera. 
you know what like how how are we including that kind of information to make sure that the production of content is you know has diversity at the core so again slightly out of the core martech space but an interesting area to look at i think it's you you know again put it into three buckets and then there are a broad set of technologies underneath each of those buckets and so, yeah, Lee, when we're talking there about predictions for MarTech in the future, we've heard about creativity. We've heard, uh, you know, Laurie's points as well about um, just kind of about the, how broad considerations need to be. But what would you say are some of your own predictions for MarTech in 2023 and beyond? In terms of, I think, possibly uh, growth in, in other channels. We've spoken about um, uh, we, we've, we've spoken about the kind of traditional channels we could well be seeing growth in, in in other channels possibly just even in the retail environment even into a more traditional point of sale which brings different challenges from a from a from a martech perspective into that sort of last mile physical retail space and so danny you've got the final word on this then what would be some of your predictions for martech in terms of how we sort of think about it and use it as we head into 2023 and beyond yeah absolutely so I think um, not so much a prediction, but a hope. Uh, I hope that MarTech will continue um, to give a brand voice, that empowerment that it needs to connect with um, people around the world, really. I mean, that that is what we are using technology for, is to connect a brand uh, or a company with its end consumers. Um, I think, you know, I might be a little bit biased here because I do sit on the retention side uh, of marketing, um, but we are getting more and more clued up to the fact that uh, people are just sold to all of the time. I think I saw a stat recently that was like 600 times a day you see a piece of marketing material or you see something uh, that's kind of like marketing towards you or asking mm. you to buy something. Um, and we did clue onto that like a couple of years ago and we kind of went the other way. We were like, right, no one wants to buy from a brand anymore. They want like this social proof. And we threw everything into influencers and social. And then people got clued up to that as well. And they were like, no, we're being sold to because you're getting paid for us to <laughs> uh, kind of have this brand image. Um, but recently, I, I really do feel like the, the kind of marketing space as a whole has got a lot better at getting a unique brand voice. So you see more and more brands now, they're no longer kind of, well, let's be professional and friendly. You know, they're actually giving this real personable tone to their brand. Um, and, you know, quite often that is, you know, a really good copywriter that's uh, finding the right way to, to connect with people. But the tech should be empowering that connection. So not just, you know, the occasional thread on Twitter about, you know, what you may or may not put on your Weetabix by brands will get on board <laughs> and they get really excited. Um, but how can we get that brand tone of voice, that unique one-to-one -one connection with consumers on a mass level? How can we be sending out a bulk email? Yeah, that 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 kind of hits people personally and it, and it hits them at the right stage of their journey with the right messaging for that brand. And I'm not talking about going down the route of like, let's pay people to pretend they use our brand every day. I'm talking about how can we as the, the agency or the brand connect those consumers in a real way um, none of this kind of, you know, huge budget influencer campaign or, you know, ad spend. How can we uh, use marketing to our benefit on retention? Because actually, if we can retain people and become, you know, uh, brand advocates and, and kind of loyal, engaged uh, subscribers of a brand, they will sell that brand for you and they will push it forward. So how can we use marketing to do that? That's what I hope to see the answers to in 2023. Absolutely. Brilliant answer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, that's it's too much rubbish, too much rubbish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the last thing we need is pollution of inboxes. And, you know, so I, I'm all for that. So well put, Danny.
Thank you. Yeah, what? definitely need to work smarter, not harder. You know, let's, let's use the data and really personalize the brand tone of voice, not just send out like 10 emails a day. No one cares. No one's opening them. <laughs> Well, that actually speaks, I think, to something you've all touched upon over the course of the podcast, which is MarTech's empowering us to do, you know, great marketing, going back to those marketing fundamentals and really just taking them to the next level. It's not sort of something in and of itself. It is um, a magnifying tool for kind of the best marketing actions that we've, you know, we've almost always done. And so then, as unfortunately, we've come to the end of this podcast. We could have spoken about this for another eight hours if we if we sort of had the time. But I wondered if uh, we could go around and maybe get you all to say where the listeners can find you if they want to reach out maybe pick your brains about anything you've mentioned guy where would be the best place for them to reach you uh well you have to be a detective uh so my surname is vienk w-i-e-y-n-k uh so find me on linkedin on twitter gvienk um uh yeah linkedin or twitter fantastic and laurie Hi, it's Laurie Miller, and you can find my company at pmg.com or shoot me an email at Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at pmg.com. Thanks so much, Laurie. And Danny. I want to jump on the bandwagon with spelling things out here um, because the company is called Favoured, but it does have a U in it, which is the British spelling. So if you're American, you're listening, it's got a U in it. It's not the uh, the classic O only. Um, so favored, F-A-V-O-U-R-E-D. Um, search for favored marketing. You'll find us. We are on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. We're doing a lot on the TikTok space at the moment. So if you're interested in that, come have a look. Um, you can message us on any of those platforms. But if you want to drop me an email directly, uh, my name is Danny and I spell it like Danny Minogue. So D-A-N-N-I at favored.co.uk um, would be great to hear from you guys. Well, that is the first time we've had Danny Minogue mentioned on this podcast, but if I have my way, it won't be the last. So, I didn't steal it from her. Let's just have a comment. him. <laughs> well, thank you all for taking the time to come on this podcast. I know that listeners will have appreciated it as much as I have. Please, for the listeners, please do stick around. Go to thedrum.com. We write about MarTech every single day, whether we want to or not. And we also write about all other aspects of marketing from the individual mediums all the way down to kind of the big strategy decisions that CTOs, CFOs, CEOs are making every single day. So do go to thedrum.com and check that all out but for now thank you so much for listening and goodbye thank you